this is a very big and very emotional Hey, under the welcome here, let me uh, welcome something really important to me. I want to welcome Summer because I have waited so long for it to get here. <laughs> and of course, I want to welcome all of our JFC campuses, all of our visitors, our friends. Glad that you are all here, whether you're in person uh, at an extended site or even listening online or maybe even uh, uh, sometime in the future. We just want to welcome you. We're glad that you're a part of it. And, Thank you for participating with us. Uh, intro point right here. Our series is going to be called Summer Blockbuster. And if you're like, um, you haven't picked up quite what we're going to do, think at the movies. For those of you who might, might, that might give you a little more indication. And let me explain this. When we come into summertime, look, just like, um, just like you, our pastors, it's vacation time. People are in and out. We know kids have stuff going on. We have camps. We have all, all the stuff that happens and people are so in and out. So we always think to ourselves, all right, what do we teach during that time? Because we don't want to take our summer and throw our summer away. We don't want to just assume like, okay, let's just get to the fall and then the good stuff. So we actually sit and we think, how can we make our summer something that people could come in and out of uh, kind of flawlessly without like, oh, I missed last week and now I don't understand what's going on. So um, we just kind of brainstormed it. We thought to ourselves, the summer blockbuster theme kind of stuck in our minds. So here's what we said that we would do. And let me explain to you how it's going to work. We said, uh, let's take different messages from the Word and then just use movies to illustrate that. Now, this is important. I don't want you to go home and think, those guys watch movies and then try to find Bible verses <laughs> to pick to set up the movie. So we didn't do it that way. And in fact, uh, what we all insisted on and what we, what we said we would do simply is this. We decided what we would teach about first and foremost and then we went back and we just picked some of the blockbuster movies that have been out there that might help illustrate it. They are not going to be exact. You're not going to go, wow, it's just like they wrote that movie for that message. I think that you wouldn't find that to be true. In fact, if you said they wrote that message for that movie, you're saying the wrong thing. What we want to say is that movie helped illustrate a point in a message, and it worked that way. So we think it's going to be fun. We're going to do popcorn on different weeks, the candy. They talked about the different things. Uh, we just want to have fun with it this summer. We want it to be something that the kids can... Um, can enjoy and have a little bit of fun too. So um, we're, we'll just uh, week by week kind of build on this and have a little bit of fun with it. And here's what I hope. I hope when it's all said and done, I hope when you walk away from church this weekend and through the summer, I hope you'll just say this, I really got something out of it and it was fun. How about that? Is that okay? I hope you're able to say I got something out of it and it was fun. So uh, that's what we're going to do. So we're just going to use summer blockbusters to kind of illustrate scripture and not vice versa. So uh, at the transition point, I'm going to talk about the mind, one of my very favorite things to talk about. Um, I had it down, some things that I wanted to get into 
uh, for this particular weekend. And so then I went back after I wrote the message and we asked ourselves, what movie would we use to illustrate this? So last summer, uh, we do the same thing every summer. My family is at the place right now. We rent a house, we gather everybody together, and we hang out for a couple of weeks. It's the only time we get like uh, undisturbed time together. I mean, we can catch a dinner together, or we can get together for a barbecue, or maybe for a birthday party. But to get that, just that uninterrupted time, we kind of have to get out of town. We rent a house. We all, you know, it's not a hotel, so we're all living together. We're all staying together. By the end of it, we're all glad to go back to our houses, to be quite honest with you. It works out just perfect. But we rent a house, we do this down in Phoenix, and in the next couple of weeks, we'll actually take off and do it. One of the things we do on our vacation, Chris and I gather all the grandkids together, and we take them to the movie of their choice. And last year's blockbuster for kids was the movie Inside Out. Inside Out dealt with the mind. It dealt with emotions. There were some really neat things in it, and things that I thought even at the time, boy, I would use that for an illustration. Little did I know, coming into a year later, we'd put together something like this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you the clip because the clip doesn't perfectly illustrate everything I want to teach about the mind, but it does show how um, it shows this thought. I'm going to talk about this. I don't know if you've ever realized it. Um, your mind has a mind of its own. And I, I did not read that someplace. I did not hear somebody else say that. I just recognized that. Here's what I realized. Sometimes my mind is working, but while it's working, it's actually thinking about other things. And I don't always realize what it's thinking about. When I catch myself, I'm like, how, how can you just sit here and let that go on and on and on? That's what I mean. It's got a mind of its own. And so this movie last year sort of illustrated that. So I picked this little clip out of it. So why don't you watch this, and then I'll teach. So as it turns out, the green trash can is not recycling. It's for greens, like compost and eggshells. Mm. And the blue one is recycling. I'm the black one. Riley is acting so weird. Why is she acting so weird? What do you expect? All the islands are down. Joy would know what to do. That's it. Until she gets back, we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, th th this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be Joy. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like Joy. Uh, because I'm not Joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. sure Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So? How was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? <sighs> He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now! Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, oh, you kidding me! For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo! I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? Oh. Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? 
All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Oh, no, 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 no. Stay happy. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. <laughs> it's a cute movie, and it just simply, uh, the premise behind it is, um, the way that people think, the different personalities that are there, the different emotions that are there. And it actually was a really cool movie in that it's the first one that I've ever seen that really got into the idea that there's just more going on in the head than just simply a one-dimensional, you know, uh, seeing it from this point of view. It brings in all these different characters and all these different emotions and how uh, they all stem together to, to make up the person. And I just thought it was really interesting that it brought that out. So I want to teach a little bit on the mind tonight, talk about some of the things that this kind of illustrates, the idea that it's a little more complicated than just simply thinking one thing and it just goes off without a hitch. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 is where we're going to start. This is from the NIV version, and I like the way that it was worded. So Paul is writing this to a church. Now this is important. Always remember this. Uh, when he's writing, what we want is context, not only what he's writing about, but who he's writing to. He's writing to believers. And this becomes important then because it means that there's a possibility that Christians do this and some Christians don't do this. Do you understand that? So he's directing people to do this. And if it was automatic and if it didn't matter, then he wouldn't have to say it. So the two things we glean right away, just looking at who it's being written to and why it's being written to, uh, it's simply, understand it this way, it's not automatic. This is something you have to be intentional about, and it's important or it wouldn't be in here. So Paul simply writes these words to a group of believers in a church, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And the point that I would just simply make to you, it's, it's automatic that once you become a believer, that your mind just simply is on the things of God, then Paul doesn't have to tell believers to set your mind on the things of God, right? Yes, right? So obviously it's possible that you can be a believer and have your mind set on the things of this world. And if you have your mind set on the things of this world, I've mentioned this before, all of us every day eat from two troughs. You eat from the trough of heaven or you eat from the trough of this world. What I simply mean by that, the one that you spend the most time getting your information from, the one that you spend the most time thinking about, the one that you spend the most time participating in. Now, some of you are going to look at me like, John, we live in the world, so it's just obvious. I mean, everything on uh, print and everything on television, it's always about the world. I, I, I get it. We're inundated with it. But as a believer, you have the option to make your first and your most from heaven, not from the world. And so what Paul's trying to describe to people is simply this. You have a choice. There is a battle going on for your mind, and you have to make the choice. Set your mind on heavenly things, not simply on 
earthly things. In fact, I would just say to you this way. If you don't pay attention to this, you will find yourself inundated by the things of this world. Even though your passport is stamped heaven, your life will be caught up in all the stuff going on here and now. Your joy will, will be uh, like this because I don't, even looking at just what's going on in our politics right now. How many of you are finding great joy and a source of life from our political situation in our country? How many of you find yourself going like this right now? Yes or no? So, it, look, that happens. I'm not saying that this is teaching us that that doesn't or can't happen. I'm saying, though, the Bible is telling us that that is not supposed to be the source where we get our life from, where we get our faith from, where we get our comfort or our peace from. We're supposed to get it from Him. So you've got to be conscious. You have to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, let me just say this very quickly. This is important, and then I'll give you two things I want you to take home and think about. So just two thoughts on Colossians 3.2. The first one just simply is this. When I say set your minds on things above, not on things of this world, there's going to be a religious response to that, and I want you to avoid the religious response. What I mean by that simply is people are going to hear this thing. Okay, so all I, need, I just need to think about heaven. I need to think about God. I don't do anything else but just think, think about heaven. That's, that's, look, that's being a silly religious, that's the wrong way to interpret the scripture. What God wants you to do is engage culture, but engage it from the point of view of knowing what he wants. Right? Don't, in, don't be afraid. Like, well, my mind's suddenly, I, I can't listen to any, blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. Don't tell, I, I just, don't, you, you get what I'm saying? People have such religious responses to things like this, and they'll come up with the list. Okay, here's the things you can listen to these stations, and you can listen to these songs, but you can't listen to, don't come up with a list. That's a religious response to this, and God doesn't want you to do that. But the second thing I want you to remember, and this is really important, and just, it was in my heart when I wrote the message. Let me talk quickly about the difference between the two things. A mind that is set on God versus a mind that's just simply set on the world. Look, it is possible to be born again and not have your mind renewed. It is completely possible. It is why believers who love God, who have given their heart to God, can find their lives so messed up because they never get this taken care of. Or at one time in their life, they'll pay attention to what's going on in their mind and they'll try to renew it with scripture. They'll try to renew it with prayer. They'll, they'll try to renew it by listening and, and paying attention. But it's, an on, it, it's not a problem to be solved, attention to be managed for the rest of your life. Do you understand what I mean by that? So someone's like, okay, I, I tried that one time and I, it worked pretty good. You have to do it every day all the time or you'll find constantly this battle that will pull you back and pull you back and pull you back. So here, here, a believer without a mind that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit, a believer who, whose mind is still just carnal, you're just carnally, fleshly minded. Here, it, you are like an arm out of joint. You're there. You, we can see you, you exist, but you're, you're not able to perform what God wants you to do because you're not in a place to do it. Does that make sense? You're, it's, you're there, you exist. I had this weird thing happen to me yesterday. Worked all day long. Friday is a day off for me. I work all day long in my yard, right? And I've got a power washer out, and I'm hammering stuff, and I'm clipping stuff. I get done, probably seven or eight hours straight. I get done with it, and my left, uh, on my, my right hand, my, my uh, ring finger, it, I, it just went like dead, like this. 
and I could not lift it up no matter. I thought I was having a stroke. It's funny how my mind took over because then I was in my mind, I think my foot's dying too. I can't move it. And we went to Katie and JJ's house for dinner and I'm, I can't, no matter what I do, I can't lift it up. So Katie looks it up. It's actually called trigger finger is what they, and if you over, you, this never happens to you, by the way, when you're in your 20s and your 30s. It never happens to you. My body never betrayed me. Never. But now the silliest, most embarrassing things happen to me. And I'm only 52 is the worst part about it. And I don't think it gets better. I think it gets worse and worse. So, tri- so my finger, is, I can see it, but I can't use it. I can't pick it up. I, I would sh- the kids, I'm trying to show their laugh. Ah, come on, Dad, you can do it. You can do it. I can't. We laugh about it. Just listen to me. A believer with an unrenewed mind. You're there. We can see you. But there's no power or strength to you. I don't mean it as an ouch. If it it does ouch you a little bit, ask why. But I don't mean it as an ouch. I mean it to sort of coax you into the idea... God has, look, do you believe that God has a purpose and a plan that is powerful, that he created you for a reason, that you exist for a reason, that he has something for you? Then you have to understand that it's not just like, okay, it's automatic, I just sit here. Man, this has to be renewed so you even know what God, here's what the Bible says, the carnal mind cannot think the thoughts of God. The fleshly mind, it can't even, it can't even receive what God is trying to say. That's why this is so critical, because you can give your heart to the Lord and your passport, you're, you're going to heaven. Hear me on this. Your responsibility is not to get yourself to heaven, it's to bring heaven to earth. Yep. Right? Yes. That's the difference here. How do, you, how do you know what God wants in a situation unless this mind is renewed? This is such a powerful, I, I don't mean the pun, such a powerful thought It's a principle. So many believers, this is where they're stuck. Gosh, I have taught this. They just, they're born again. They can see that God has something and they want it, but this never gets renewed and they're stuck. They're stuck. So let let me give you two things, two reasons, two suggestions to this is why you want a renewed mind. The first one is just simply a renewed mind is a tree of life. Just think back real quickly all the way to the book of Genesis. Uh, The main focus of the Garden of Eden, uh, God's creation, the man and the woman, his crowning achievement over nature, Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden. They're caretakers of the garden. They tend the garden. They, they, They watch over the animals uh, and they only have one don't. Life is fairly simple for them. It is not complicated. There's not a list. There's just one of every tree in the garden you can eat. Except for the knowledge of good and evil because the day you eat of it, you'll die. It's just simple. I mean, it's, there's, it, it's, not, it's not hard to understand. The enemy attacks on that issue right there. Did God really say the Bible says it uses the idea of the apple or fruit. We use the idea of an apple, but it just says the fruit of it. When Eve looked at it, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was beguiling. It, it, it tempted her because it looked good to eat, and she thought, 
I'll, I'll be like God. I, I'll, I'll have something I don't have right now. So she ate it. And so many millions of things that I could teach about that. But let me, let me just give you a contrast real quickly. I think that every book of the Bible um, tells the story of Jesus in some way. Some way, some, I, I should probably do a series at some point just pointing every book of the Bible in some way tells the story about Jesus. It gives an example of him or it shows the need for him. And it's really, it's a wonderful thought. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that in the next year or so. But here, let me just throw this out to you. I think what the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I think what they represent when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is the tree of life. And here's what God wants for you. He wants for you to live your life through the tree of life. He wants you to eat of his life. He wants you to be an innocent person. He wants you to be a person that when stuff happens, you give the benefit of the doubt. You, you believe right. You're just, you're the person whose mind you live. Jesus is the tree of life, and God wants you to be like Jesus. That's the easiest way to say it. So what's the knowledge of good and evil? That is a mind that has fallen. It's a mind that's suspicious and a mind that's just controlled by the events of this world. The knowledge of good and evil, it opens your eyes and you're not innocent. But here's the problem. You can't handle it and that's why it kills you. Yeah. And how many believers are just full of all, all the stuff that just weighs them down and just damns them in this earth? Not to eternity, but on this earth, man, they just walk. They are beaten before they even get up in the morning. Those are people that live their life through the knowledge of good and evil. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to live your life through the tree of life. A renewed mind is like a tree of life. It's a place that should bring life to you. Proverbs 23, 7. Look at this scripture. As a man thinks in his heart. So, just before they do the last part. As a man thinks in his heart. You can see clearly that the word heart here. Its meaning is mind, right? So you don't think in your heart. So the Bible uses an all-inclusive word for them. Your heart is your mind, your emotions, and your will. That's heart, mind, emotions, and will. So as a man thinks in his mind, emotions, and will, what about it? As a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is that man. So is that person. As you think, as you, as you let your mind just sit on something, and that's what you begin to, you meditate on it, you think about it, you read about it, you talk about it. Pretty soon, it's in your heart, and what comes out of your heart is who you really are. I'm going to ask say that one more time, and I want you to agree with me. What comes out of your heart is who you really are. So let me, let me caution you on this, okay? When you stub your toe, and stuff just comes out of your mouth, that's not who you really are. This needs to be pointed out. That's not what, it's the overflow of, it's what you talk about all the time. Now, if you walk around like you stubbed your toe all the time, that's who you really are. If everything that you perceive and everything that you see, if it's just negative and it's horrible and it's just, where's God and where's the good old days? You know, Ecclesiastes says, people that say, where are the good old days? That doesn't come from wisdom, the Bible says. You know what it comes from? A mind that's not being renewed and looking at this world as its source of hope. 
as a man, as a woman, as a boy, as a girl, as they think in their heart, they become the thing that they think about all the time. Do you agree? So let me give you three truths. These are fill in the blanks. If you don't have a pen out yet, you might want to get one. Whatever you want to use there. Three truths. First one, your mind has a mind of its own. Your mind has a mind of its own. The problem is most of us are unaware of the deeper things that we think about throughout the day. We kind of put it on autopilot, so there's the mind that does work, there's the mind that watches kids, there's the mind that talks to your spouse, there's the mind that drives the car. But beyond that, your mind also has another mind, and what you've trained it to perceive, think, and dwell on, that's where it goes, and it fulfills those conversations all day long. Your mind has a mind of its own. Have you ever realized that? Have you ever stopped yourself and had a thought where you, you just become conscious of the thought? You know, where did that come from? Did the devil just come by and put that in my head? He can't do that. He can whisper things. The only thing he can do then is once he whispers, you can decide whether or not you want to think about that thing. And if you do, you dwell on it. What you dwell on is what you'll become like eventually. So your mind has a mind of its own, and you need to be aware of that because people who are not aware of that will never renew their mind. They just simply, their mind goes in, in um, I don't know how to say, a mind that's undisciplined would be what I'm talking about right here. And the problem with this is even if you're a disciplined person, you may not be aware that your mind has a mind of its own. It's only when it's pointed out and you catch it that suddenly, how about this? One of the ways you can tell your mind has a mind of its own is the mind influences the way you feel. And have you ever just gone through the day and you just feel, I just don't know what's, have you ever said, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Yes. Anybody, three people have said that. Yes. The rest are like, I don't ever feel anything. Come on. <laughs> you ever said, I don't, I just don't know what's, why am I feeling this? I can't put my finger on it. Let me put my finger on it. Your mind is at work and you're just simply unaware of it. That's what it is. It's just gone, and the other can happen too. Have you ever had a day where you're just like, man, I just feel so good. Why do I feel so good? It's your mind is on something. It's just doing you the right way. You get it? So your mind has a mind of its own. How about this? Just another truth. Your mind has to be renewed to think God's thoughts. So if you sit here this weekend... You hear this message, and I'm just going to ask this question. It's rhetorical. Please don't answer it. Don't raise your hand. You don't, don't flinch. Listen. If you love Jesus, and I'm assuming you're here because you love Jesus, most of you, you're here because you love Jesus, then this has to be true. You want to know what God wants for your life. You want to know what God wants for this world. You want to know what God wants for your kids. You want to know what God wants for your finances. You want to know what God wants for your health. You want to know what God wants. You love God, you want to know. Hear me on this issue, my goodness, make this connection right now. Your mind has to be renewed to be able to think God thoughts. You cannot think God thoughts because you want to. It must be renewed. It must be renewed. Number three, let me just get this one. Your imagination will direct your future. Hear this, adults in particular, here's what we think. When I was a kid, I had an imagination. When I became an adult... I put those things behind me. I'm an adult. I have no imagination. 
You may not call it an imagination, but you have an imagination. And your imagination is very powerful. And by the way, who created the imagination? God gave you your imagination because he wants to use it for your good. I'll give you a definition of a redeemed imagination. It is a picture that you see of your future knowing that's what God wants for you. That picture is how you direct your life, whether you know it or not. So, so I'm going to make a statement right now. Listen, your imagination is controlling the life you have right now. And so if you're like, oh, I don't like my life, or I don't like my future, I don't like where I'm going, here's what we want to do. We want to blame someone else for that and lay it off as someone did this to me or someone sabotaged me or someone got me. And certainly there are cases where you do have real people that you'll have conflict with and you'll have to overcome, and some of them are very difficult. But by and large, listen to this, the mental picture you have of what your future should look like, by and large, every day you're walking towards that picture. And we listen, and when it's not the one we want, I would challenge you, go back, what do you think about, not what do you, what do you want to have happen, but what do you dwell on all day? What do you really think? What, when your mind has a mind of its own, which direction is it going? The imagination is powerful. I've taught on it over the years from, from the kid who sees monsters under the bed. Every parent in this room has gone through that to some extent. You and I both know it's not real, but tell a kid it's not real. So, and, and what is it? It causes a kid to be in fear. So an imagination can control your emotions, yes or no. An imagination can control your sleep, yes or no. Your peace. Uh, you get older. I, I talked about as a young youth pastor, the words bulimia, things like that were not known at the time, and I had a girl in my youth group who was full-on anorexic. And so they went after the med, they put her in the hospital, she, which, she must have a disease, and they tested, and they tested, and they tested, and this is back before people knew. They, it wasn't easily identifiable. I mean, she went through like six or eight months of tests, and finally, only to be told, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't identify something physically wrong with you. But she's losing weight, losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. And I remember having her in my office asking her, what, what, why? What is going, once it all came out that she would, she would eat and purge. And it was just, and then she got to the point where she wouldn't eat. And I would say, what is it? And she would say, I am so fat. I don't like my body. I look so fat. She wasn't lying to me. And you could say, well, she was delusional. She wasn't. Let me tell you what she was. She had an imagination that completely controlled what she saw when she looked in the mirror. So what I saw and what she saw were two different things. But here's my point to you. Her imagination controlled her future. And it controlled her health. It controlled what she did every single day of her life. It controlled her joy factor. It controlled everything ultimately. Imagination is a powerful, powerful thing. 
I clipped this out of the paper back at Halloween. It was a dad who wrote a few words about his kid being afraid of the dark. This is what he said. The other night, I was putting my six-year-old to sleep, and he asked me to lie down with him because he was scared of ghosts. I explained matter-of-factly, because that always works. How well does it work with children? How, listen to this. It works just as well with adults. It's a spiritual issue. It's not a matter-of-fact issue. I explained as matter-of-factly as I could that ghosts didn't exist. Listen to the kid's answer. I know that, Dad. He told me as if he were talking to an especially dim-witted individual. But the ghosts are in my brain, and I can't turn my brain off. It's a perceptive six-year-old. One thing to sit up here and identify an issue, and so perhaps I put my finger on something that you like or you dislike. Maybe that's the way to say it. The bottom line is, what ultimately can you do about it to change it? So let me give you three exercises. I gave you three truths. Let me give you three exercises that if you really want a renewed mind and you really want to change it, you want to change the picture and the direction and the way things are going and what it looks like. And by the way, here, here was the picture I had this afternoon when I was studying. Uh, I've lived in our house. Um, we, we bought our house almost 17 years ago. And we bought it new. And when we bought it, we did all the planting. We, we put in all the trees and all the shrubs and everything like that. And so I planted this maple tree almost 17 years ago right next to a patio is my place where I knew someday that tree would grow up and it would be a haven for me. But when it was such a little, you know, a little two-inch two inch diameter, the leaf, I mean, it had like five leaves that first year. And the next year, I think it had maybe doubled and it had ten leaves. But now the tree's grown to more than 50 feet and I had to have it trimmed almost twice a year. And in the fall, I always ask myself, why did I plant this stupid tree? But this afternoon, I'm sitting out there, and I'm enjoying the fruit of it. I'm just going to say this to you. Get this picture. That if you want a change, this change is growth that happens in your life. And you cannot plant this tonight and think, tomorrow I will eat the fruit of this. That is silly thinking. And so what we do is we'll do it for one week or two weeks or a month, and we'll tell ourselves, I'm getting no fruit from this. Must not work. How silly would... So what would you do? Go chop your tree down? Some things have to take root and have to take time. Do you agree with that? Yes. They have to take root and they have to take time. Three exercises. Listen. Do not go, I already know this. Are you doing this? Three exercises. You want to renew your mind? Here it is. Begin your day with God. Begin your day with God. David, King David said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek after thee. I don't know what it is in particular about morning. And if you're not a morning person, just hear me on this. Here's where I think the principle of why this is so important uh, and, and why we need to pay attention to it. Um, God wants from us the first part of everything we do. He wants the first part of our time. He wants the first part of our love. He wants the first part of our money. He wants the first part. Why? Because he's God and he's worth. What it does, it puts a believer in a position of saying, God, you're above everything else, and you get the first part. 
if you get this with money, you'll get it with time. But if you don't get it with money, then you're going to struggle with this with time. I don't mean that ugly, but I just, it's a principle of God gets the first part of my life. So when people say, well, I want to spend time with God, but it has to just kind of fit in wherever I can fit it in, stop that. Put a marker in your life right now that God comes first. My work comes second. Listen to this. My wife comes second. My children come second. All other responsibilities have to come second to your relationship with God. And until we say, okay, I will, look, you can die and go to heaven. That's not, this will not put you in hell. But your life here, the abundant life that Jesus promises, the renewed mind, begins with the understanding that God gets the first part of me, the best of me. The very best of me. I used to take my day off only on a Monday. Here's what it meant to my family. They got the worst of me because I was so tired from the weekend. How dumb was that to give my wife on my day off the worst of me? So I take Monday, so the devil gets the worst of me. And then I give Friday to my wife. That's why I'm out working in the yard all day yesterday. She gets the best. It's the same principle with the Lord. If you love someone, it's never difficult to give them the best. Do you agree? Starting your day every day with God. Begin the day with God. Fill your mind with Scripture. Scripture has a washing effect, a cleansing effect. Uh, Scripture has an ability to to erase, to wash over, to to knock down high and hard places and to raise up low and weak places. And what I found today is that so many people, this at one time in their life was something they considered to be important. So many people today have put this on the back burner. And because this is a tension to be managed and not a problem to be solved, you'll always find your mind will not stay renewed. It has to be renewed. Third exercise is just simply this. You've got to capture your imagination. I have a great struggle with my imagination. I am not... Some people are born naturally positive. Anybody in this room? You're just naturally a positive person. Most husbands point to their wives. It's the funniest thing. A few husbands I see, well, my wife is naturally positive. She naturally gives the benefit of the doubt. She naturally believes the best in every situation. I think God put me in her life to bring her back to earth. <laughs> my imagination... It's a funny thing. And I put them in the order that's necessary. If I begin my day with God and I fill my mind with what he is thinking, my imagination automatically goes to the fruit of the Spirit. If I don't begin my day with God and I don't fill my mind with Scripture, listen to me, my imagination is darkened and negative and it controls my personality. And I can be a very melancholy person without this being renewed. Anybody hear what I'm saying right now? So then it affects how I work and how I study. I have to be very intentional that before I study, 
I've got to fill my mind with scripture and with worship. Otherwise, in its unrenewed state, I write the most negative things when I preach. I had a pastor, my pastor pointed out to me years ago. He sat me down, told me the truth. This was 25, 26, 27 years ago. He said, John, there are two ways to say any one thing, and you always find the negative way to say it. So, for instance, you don't know how many times I've taught our pastors this. And this is what I was teaching on, filling your mind with Scripture, and here's how I said it. Unless you read your Bible, you will never grow. You agree? It's a true statement, right? My pastor sits me down and he says, here's the way you need to say it. Here's how a renewed mind would say it. The day you begin to read your Bible, you will grow and grow and grow. Well, we both just said the same thing. But one comes from... See, here's what I'm talking about, an unrenewed mind. You're going to sit up there and think you're a believer, and you're going to think as long as I'm not cursing and damning everything, then I'm okay. It's, it's okay. You are missing the tree of life. And the tree of life is the difference between life and death. And all I can do is sit here and tell you that. And the day you eat of the tree of life, you will want more and more and more of it. And you will be so dissatisfied with anything less than that. I'm going to run out of time, so let me just give you the last one. Really, a renewed mind, and the reason you want control of this and you want it to be completely transformed, your job, I said it just a moment ago, your job is not to get yourself to heaven, but your job is to bring heaven to earth. In a nutshell, that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus does the work to get us to heaven. Our work is to bring heaven to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to pray, know, and then act. So here's the way that I would say it. Your job is to reflect a different reality. And I sentenced it this way. We always, 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 we reflect a reality around us according to the reality inside of us. We're creating a reality around us according to what's going on inside of us. Do you know that? And so some people think, no, that's not true. Other people around me are creating the atmosphere. No, you take the authority and begin to create the atmosphere. Don't, don't settle for that anymore. So let me give you this really cool word picture in Scripture that shows this. Matthew 17, 1 through 2. If you're going to Israel with me, I'll take you right to where they believe this took place, called the Mount of Transfiguration. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. Those were the three that always went a little higher with Jesus. So Jesus took Peter, James, and John, um, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And then verse 2. There he was transfigured before them. And here's how they describe the transfiguration. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light of the sun. Okay, so let me, let me just describe to you what I believe is happening here. The Bible says that um, a, a cloud had enveloped them, and the presence of God was in the cloud. And all I think happened in this situation, why did Jesus glow? Why, why did, here's, I think the presence of God, Jesus just simply reflected the reality of a different reality. That's all that happened. Moses had the same thing happen to him. Moses would go up on the mountain, spend time with God. The Bible says, man, he would glow coming out of the presence of God. He just simply reflected the reality of another reality. All right, now, let me, let me just read this to you because the only other place in the Bible that the word 
is used a second time. It's only used twice in the Bible, uh, and it's, it's the same word, two different words, but it's the same word. So I'm going to read it to you and see if you can figure out which word is transfigured. So this is Romans uh, 12.2. just simply says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, listen, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Jesus was transfigured. And the Bible says to be transformed, and I don't think I can make it any easier than I'm making it right now. So what two words are exactly the same? Here's what it just says. Transformed and transfigured are exactly the same. So here's what, here's what it means to have a transformed mind. Listen to me. This is what it means. Jesus simply reflected the reality of another reality. All he did was stand there and reflected God's presence. When your mind is renewed, all that happens is it reflects the thoughts of God to a world that doesn't think that way. So it glows and it stands out and it becomes... So your job is not to get yourself to heaven. Your job is to bring heaven to earth. And one of the ways you would do that is to have your mind transformed because transformed people transform churches. And transformed churches then can transform cities. And transformed cities can transform nations. It is always through the transformation of a mind that God does powerful things. Does it make sense to you? Oh, my goodness. One of the things we're doing this summer, uh, we're doing little uh, groups that are going to meet over the subject of what we talk about that weekend. And simply, it's the whole group meeting. Is going to take place during the week. They're going to be small groups, only lasting as long as the series. And so I wrote three questions that the groups can get together to talk about. We've, we've advertised these, but here's the practicality of it. If you hear this message and you think, I need my mind renewed. I need to know more about this. I, how, how can I see this happen in my life? Then here's what you could do. Tonight at our information table, you could go out there. They'll have information about where these groups are meeting. You could still join one. It's not too late. And you could do it just for the time that you're in town. Why would I do that? To have a transformed mind. Because it's not enough to go home and say, I want to have a transformed mind. So do I. But unless it gets transformed, it's like a trigger finger. It's there. You'll see it. But you can't lift it. You can't move it. You can't get it. It won't do what it was designed to do. It's the most frustrating situation to want it to do something, and no matter how bad you want it, you can't will it. It had to be healed. That's what God wants to do. Make sense? All right, Lord, we love you. What an honor and a privilege it is to teach these people, your people, to teach at this church. God, I feel so blessed. I'm so fortunate to stand up here and to be able to reflect things that you've told me. And to just simply, God, just reflect it. Folks, this isn't my wisdom. I'm not smart enough. I, these are the things that we just get the opportunity to reflect. And what God wants from you is to reflect these truths. and the, you, He wants you to be that person that in a situation in the world, you can reflect Him, His mercy, His grace, His love, His generosity, uh, his, his healing, His truth, His compassion. He wants you to reflect that to the world. But until 
this is transformed and renewed. We just reflect simply, listen, we reflect the one that our mind is fixed on. We reflect heaven or we just reflect this world. And if all we do is reflect the world, man, there's no difference. There's no hope. There's nothing greater. So may the Holy Spirit find ways to draw us into this. May this not just simply provoke you or entertain you or pique your interest, but may it bring you all the way to the point of going, I want my mind renewed. I want my mind renewed. Father, I want to know what you have for me. The Bible says that the renewed mind knows the will of God. It knows, Romans 12, 2, the renewed mind knows the will of God. God wants you to know his will. It's not an imperceivable thing. It's not some carrot and a stick trick. You can know the will of God. Paul said in every situation, every situation, Lord, help us. Help us. And I thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.